Welcome back to the pod task, everyone. As I promised, I am bringing you another episode of all things related to Texas Specialty Courts. Something you should know is that when you have a specialty court program that you want to have registered in Texas, one of the requirements is to provide a community justice plan that incorporates duties related to probation and supervision that will be required under the program. A successful specialty court program needs to provide ongoing supervision through pretrial, probation, or another release program that uses monitoring, tracking, and case management tools. It's important to be aware that supervision for an individual in a specialty court program, that typically looks very different than supervision for someone on a traditional probation track. So I've brought you someone who can speak to us about this very issue. Today's guest speaker is Faustino Lopez. He is here to speak with us about the prominent role that probation plays in specialty court programs. Tino is the director of the Hidalgo County Adult Probation Department, and I know him because we both serve on the Texas Association of Specialty Courts Board. One of the reasons I asked him to join our show is because I'm frequently hearing about the exciting things happening with the Hidalgo County Specialty Court programs. I had to share Tino's vast knowledge of the probation department world and his passion for this work with all of our listeners. Without further delay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show, Tino. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really, really excited that you're here with us today. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, A lot of people are probably wondering, um, who are you exactly? Who is Tino Lopez? (laughs) Well, uh, where do I begin? Uh, So I started my career in probation, Hidalgo County at all probation, about 27 years ago. Um, so after I graduated from college, I um, applied. Uh, I, they called me back after about a year uh, and I got hired. Um, so I started off with uh, providing community supervision for misdemeanor clients or just involved individuals. Um, moved up to supervising felony probationers. Uh, then after several years, I became a court officer, did a couple, did that for another several years. Um, then I became a pre-sentence investigator. Uh, so I did that. Uh, then I was promoted to supervisor. Um, and I was assigned to supervise a couple of specialty courts. Um, and then. Um, let's see, I did that for about five years. Um, then I became the uh, assistant director. And in 2020, I was promoted to the director of this department. So yeah, 27 years later, here I am. Uh, so I started at the bottom and I worked my way up to the director. It's not something, it's not something I ever planned. It seems like it just happened. Um, and to be quite honest with you, it seems like yesterday I just got hired. 20 years, <laughs> years flew right by. <laughs> no, so in 27 years, that's all been with Hidalgo County. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Wow. And just with all of those um, roles that you've listed, is there a single role um, in the probation department that you haven't? I've gone through all of them, you know, um, uh, it's, uh, yeah. That is an no, amazing have, journey. Yeah. No, that is an amazing yeah. journey because I, I can just imagine that you have, you know, really seen the probation role from a lot of different perspectives, um, from that department. And I'm just, yeah, I'm assuming that's made you a pretty effective director at this point. I, you know, to be quite honest with you, I think that's what helps me understand if I'm making certain decisions. I think I I, I have a different perspective as to how it's going to affect the different, you know, different aspects of, 
you know, the different positions within the organization. I, I think it does give me, you know, somewhat of a, I mean, it's something to think about at least. If I make this change, how is that going to affect all these other different positions or different roles within the organization? But I think it's yeah, nice I like that to you've had that experience and that you're considering all of those things when you're making decisions. I think that's really important. Thanks. Yeah, I try. I try. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been in Hidalgo for your career. Does that mean you've lived in Hidalgo that whole time as well? Yes, I yes, I've I grew up here, uh, lived here. I'm a product, you know, of my community, really. Um, you know, they've made me who I am. I, you know, and I'm extremely, you know, for, I mean, I, I'm gr grateful for everything. Um, you know, the community has really created who I am. Um, and, and, you know, I'm very fortunate to be in this position, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I can just imagine that with the people that come through the probation department that you must have a really special interest in your community and making sure that your community has a positive impact with the work that your department does. Absolutely, especially with the world and especially courts. I mean, we all know we all have friends, family uh, or relatives that have struggled with addictions. And so it's always important. That's something I always think about, like, hey, you know, if we if we only had certain programs or if they only had certain access to certain treatments, you know, they could help them. Uh, and so that's something I constantly think about um, whenever we create such programs, like especially course, like, hey, you know, I understand that allowing, giving individuals an opportunity to have access to treatment is extremely important in, you know, maintaining, you know, sobriety uh, and making change, so. Absolutely. Um, and that kind of brings us to, you know, kind of what the probation department has really, um, I guess you say just really changed over the years, right? Well, I would say the criminal justice system as a whole, right, has probably really evolved and changed over the years. But I think the probation department plays a pretty big role in that. And it's probably a great example of how things have changed. Um, and in 27 years, I'm sure you've seen a lot of that change up close and personal. Uh, can you share with us some of the ways that you've seen the probation department um, has had to like adapt or change over the years? Absolutely. I have to say that the first 10 years of my career, when I spent it, you know, supervising individuals, um, I, you know, it, it was mainly focused on compliance based type of supervision. And during that time, I felt like, hey, you know what? I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. We're not getting anywhere with this type of supervision. And then probation started shifting into utilizing evidence-based principles and evidence-based practice. And that really re-sparked an interest in continuing, in, you know, like, hey, you know what? This is something that I'm very, very interested in. Um, and so we started shifting um retraining staff retraining officers into what that meant right um texas changed their assessment tool to the texas risk assessment system which really helped us identify the risk and needs of an individual uh, so we were able to create specialized treatment plans for individuals once we knew what the risk levels was and what their individual needs were it helped us really pinpoint, you know, what we really needed to focus on to really have an impact and, you know, have people change, right? Uh, impact to change and more effective type of supervision. Um, and then, yeah, we started seeing, you know, an increase in specialty courts. And I, I started, when I started, you know, supervising specialty courts, I saw how much of an impact they had and changing these individuals' lives. Uh, and so we, we we started with two specialized courts and then we've expanded now to nine different specialty courts since then, so. Wow, that's, yeah. uh, that's, a, that's a lot of specialty courts in one county, actually. Um, what 
kind of specialty courts are those? So we have misdemeanor DWI court, felony DWI court, uh, misdemeanor and felony drug courts. We have domestic violence courts, reentry court, youthful offender court, uh, mental health court. Um, so, I mean, we, we, if I could, I could create a specialty court to supervise all the high risk and moderate risk justice involves individuals because those are the individuals that have the highest needs and need of treatment or some type of cognitive programming. If I could, I mean, I could turn the whole department into one huge specialty court program. Uh, but again, we don't have the resources to do that. Financial resources. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if, I think that's what I would do with, with our population. So. Nice. And you, um, going back to the probation's role in any of these specialty court programs, what does your department do exactly? With the specialty courts so once they 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 went and luckily we do have uh a lot of the hidalgo county judiciary is i mean supports our specialty court programs 100 percent, as well as the district attorney's office so that that is key uh so they'll go in they'll get screened um and as long as they qualify for the um program, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get enrolled and they begin treatment within or they'll start seeing their counselor within one week of placement. So treatment for them starts at the beginning, like as soon as they're placed, they start treatment services right away. So that I think that's one of the biggest difference from being in a specialty court versus being on regular supervision. Okay. Um, that's that's interesting to know because it seems like the type of person who would come in and become a probation officer has probably changed a lot over the years. Uh, do you find that you, you're, like your department is hiring a different type of person with different characteristics um, to do this role now? Absolutely. Actually, we start at the beginning uh, when we're interviewing, uh, we start asking questions to see you know, how, what type of officer, you know, you're going to, you know, whether or not you're going to fit our organizational culture, right? Uh, so we'll ask certain situational questions to see how they would react in certain, you know, situations to see whether, you know, they're going to be responsive to the needs of our population, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Do you so find... it's more of oh, a role ahead. of a counselor, really. Um, so, but yeah. Okay. Do you find that, that your probation officers, that they, is there really a difference between the ones that you hire who are going to be working in a specialty court versus somebody who works on the, on just your traditional, um, caseload? So, yes. On top of, well, every officer, I guess, in Texas, they go through certification training, and we also have an additional training that we require everybody to complete, uh, and it's sustained training. It was developed by the uh, George Mason University. It's an online training, and they really focus on, you know, what evidence-based supervision looks like. And it, they, they pretty much set the foundation of what's expected, you know, to include how positive reinforcement, how effective that is, uh, how to use that when while supervising uh, justice involved individuals, the importance, again, of supervising individuals uh, uh, according to risk levels. They really, you know, go back and, and set like the standard, like here's why you should supervise individuals according to risk levels. Um, and I think that additional training really, you know, again, sets the foundation of what our expectations are for everybody who's working uh, at our um, department. Okay. Do you, is there any, you have the training once somebody gets started, right? Like you said, there's there's the statewide training that everybody does, and then there's this 
this training that you mentioned online um, that you have everybody do when they when they get started. Is there oh. any? Oh, go ahead. No, but once you're in a specialty program, you get a hell of a lot more additional training on top of that. Uh, <laughs> of course, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, so there's TAS, Texas Association Specialty Court. I mean, they attend, you know, Texas Association Specialty Court training, all rise training. Uh, they go to the APPA trainings as well. Anything having to do with specialized supervision or in their field of supervision treatment services. I mean, they are the most trained officers I have in our department. I mean, I don't have to worry about them needing training hours uh, because they're always in training. They're always learning. Uh, so, yeah, training for them never stops, wow. including myself. <laughs> you, know. you know, you mentioned task, which is probably a good time to ask you. Um, and probably tell our listeners, that's actually how I know you, right? We're both on the board of the Texas Association of Specialty Courts, but you've been there quite a bit longer than me. Uh, do you remember when you started? I think it was back in 2017. That's how I first joined uh, the, the board, the task board, and I've been there ever since. Absolutely love the work. Absolutely love what we stand for as an organization. Uh, and I mean, I'll continue to be serving as as much as I can. Um, so. And have you attended the annual conference? Actually, I know the answer to this question, so it's so weird to ask you this just for our listeners. But if you have, in fact, um, attended the annual training conference that TASC puts on, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Are you Are you planning to attend this year? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good. I'm touching yeah, the hot spot cool. right there. <laughs> I actually yeah. plan to send a, a big group from our county up there, so it should be fun. Should Good. be fun. Good. What? Um. And this is just totally just a little bit off topic, but um, what's one of the things that you've really gotten out of being on the board or attending the conference um, that you really have taken back to Hidalgo County that help implement into the work that you do there? Anything well, that you've learned through that process? So every time I go somewhere, I seem to learn something and I try to incorporate that to what we do. Uh, the last training session that I went to, they were talking about uh, setting up mentoring programs and they were using it quite differently in that other region that they, they discussed. But it gave me an idea of something or a program that I like to start in Hidalgo County which I think, I mean, it's a different different type of uh, program than what I learned about, but I, I think I can make it work down here. Uh, different application, quite different application. But every time I go to somewhere to a training or something, I'm always thinking about how I can adapt certain, um, I guess, what I've learned into the overall operations of our department so that's almost out i'm always looking for nice and when you're there um i'm assuming you get to connect with other um like other probation officers and other probation directors and uh, people who've been doing this for a long time as well is that correct absolutely and researchers as well um uh, people that have been researching, you know, processes or whatever, um, I, I start talking to them. Actually, when we talk about the Youthful Offender Program, that's how we got it started. I was talking to a couple of researchers uh, that were looking at some of our data, looking back at data points. And uh, they discovered that um, even though we had one of the lowest revocation rates in the state of Texas, um, they looked at those rates in greater detail. And they said, hey, you know, even though you have a low revocation rate, it turns out that about 47% of those that are being revoked in your region are between the ages of 18 to 25. And that's how we started. That's how we created the Youth Offender Program, to try to create a program to divert this particular group from going to prison, uh, right, uh, to try to divert them, reduce that rate for that particular population. So. I mean, that that's how, you know, 
talking to people, networking with people, uh, reviewing what our data looks like and, and try to create ways or programs to improve our services, be more efficient and be more effective um, as a probation department. Let's dive into like the role that your team actually like specifically plays in your local specialty court programs. What can you like give us a specific example of what your team does? You mentioned nine, nine specialty court programs. Like what do they do in each of those programs? So their main focus is to, again, you know, look at the needs of the individuals um, and then just facilitate whatever programming or uh, interventions that they may need to improve their lives, whether it be access to education, access to health care, access to cognitive behavioral programming, access to substance abuse treatment, whether inpatient or outpatient. Uh, we, we can provide any of those services and provide them quick access to whatever it is they need to so them to be for them to be successful, not just in the program, but complete probation as well, and then improve their lives altogether. I mean, that that is basically our role, right? Um, changing people's lives, right? Um, as soon as, you know, we identify that they have treatment needs, we want to connect them with treatment providers as soon as possible so they could start their treatment. Do any of your team members, do they do they um, do any of the assessments for the special court programs? So we have an assessment unit that does our TRAS. Uh, so they, they do the TRAS and then we have a group, a counseling unit that does the uh, ASIs to determine if they do have a substance abuse uh, disorder, the extent and what would be the best appropriate treatment for them to be in, whether it be inpatient or, or outpatient treatment. It's, so we have our assessment unit and then we have a counselors that do the assessments for substance abuse. So are both of those units, are those part of the probation department? Yes, yes. Okay, that's interesting. And I know that's different which with every um, county, like, what roles that they have and what, uh, I guess, different units that they might have at their disposal. So it sounds like you have um, an entire unit, you know, focused on doing assessments, an entire unit that can help with the counseling and all of that. Um, so I'm assuming that I'd, people, oh, go ahead. I'd have to say that the counseling, having an internal counseling unit, it has been a lifesaver for us. We used to outsource that uh get contracts and contract vendors and it seemed like we 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 were struggling to get placements there was always a waiting list and there was no communication back to us whether to see how they were doing and all this other stuff and so to kind of yeah we we, we figured look if we have our own counseling unit internal we could probably service a hell of a lot more people that way uh, and ever since we've done that, I mean, it's it's been extremely helpful for us. And so by counseling, are you you're referring to like licensed counselors, right? Like people who can. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. they're they're meeting with people one on one. Right. And just focusing on that person's needs and, you know, walking them through a life in general, just assisting them through that process. Absolutely. So we hire LCDCs, LPCs, uh, and we're always looking for counselors. It seems like they're very difficult to find down here. So, but I think I think that might be a statewide problem, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but I think it's amazing that you you know that your department was able to identify that that was an issue, um, and just say you know what instead of contracting that out, let's why don't we just do it? Why don't we just take care of it then? And it sounds like that's been probably very effective with your treatment. Whoever's programs. out there been thinking about doing that, I highly recommend doing that. Okay. Um, Are you yeah. volunteering uh, for people to ask you questions if they're thinking about starting that program? Absolutely. <laughs> they can reach out, let me, you know, ask whatever they want. I mean, like, again, my, my role here is to 
help advance, I guess, you know, the practice, right? Um, but no, that's great. Do you, um, when your, so your team members are doing the assessments, they're doing counseling. Um, I know with specialty court programs, they're almost always doing staffings, right? Where they bring the whole, you know, team together, so to speak, or the specialty court team together to talk about the cases or the people specifically. Um, are your members sitting in on those staffings as well? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Whenever there's st court staffings occur, uh, that involves the judge, the prosecutor, um, the counselor, the uh, the clinical supervisor, the officer, you know, and whenever they're discussing either a sanction or incentive, uh, they all come together as a group and decide like, hey, this individual is doing really well, you know, perhaps judge, would you like to, you know, recognize him for either, you know, completing a phase or graduating or whatever accomplishment that they've done. Uh, they, they point that out for the judge to kind of, you know, reinforce that behavior if it's a good one. Okay. Uh, and if there's a sanction, again, they all come together, they discuss, and they, you know, figure out the best appropriate action to take, considering everything, all the circumstances that are, or whatever issues that are going on with the individual at that time. Um, so I think that's very beneficial. Do you know about how long, like, the average length those specialty court programs run for in your county? So it could be, I mean, 18 months, really. Um, every once in a while, they'll extend it for, you know, a couple of months or so, but usually no more than 18 months. Um, most people will complete, and the different phases are designed to be completed within, you know, 12 to 18 months, depending on the program that, um, you know, they're being supervised in. And do you, do you actually, like, does the staff that's working with the specialty courts, do they, are they actually supervising each person for compliance as well? Or is that more like a whole group effort to supervise? No, they, they supervise for everything. Uh, the probation officer will supervise compliance as well as treatment, you know, making sure, ensuring that they're, you know, attending treatment. Uh, you know, uh, drug testing, uh, they'll, they'll, you know, check for that. Uh, and then whatever needs that they may have, either, you know, access to healthcare or whatever. So they'll, they'll make those referrals out. And they really get to know them very well, uh, cause they meet so often, uh, that they really, really get to know each other. They establish a, a you know, very, I mean, a working relationship. Uh, and I mean, it's, yeah, they really get to know their clients. Um, so does the judge actually. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's another big difference between being in a specialty court versus being on regular probation. Um, you really get to know what, what they're going through during that time of, you know, their, their, their treatment and programming. Do you, do you find that this role can be difficult for your team? Like the secondhand trauma, just, you know, supporting people who are um, oftentimes in a very difficult time in their life. Do you find that your team is also like just struggling with that role to be that constant support person since they meet with these um, individuals so often? Um, that's something that we try to, you know, at least have the officers, you know, keep like something to keep in mind. Um, just recently, there's been quite a, you know, different trainings that I've attended to about dealing with secondary trauma and how sometimes we may need to at least acknowledge that if that's happening. Uh, to, I mean, we have an EAP program uh, that will refer officers in case they need to talk to somebody. Um, and then so they could, you know, uh, yeah, uh, receive some kind of services uh, as well. That's um, good. But yeah. So it sounds like the probation officer's role has kind of become this 
still a probation officer, but now also a case manager. Um, Absolutely. And potentially other roles as well, um, depending on where you are in the department, right? Um, Absolutely. So in addition to, you know, checking for compliance and meeting with individuals, does your team also get pretty familiar with the resources available in the community as well? We constantly have, um, you know, community resource agencies come in and say, hey, we offer these programs. Hey, we offer this assistance. Hey, you know, if you have individuals needing, you know, healthcare services and they're indigent, send us our way. So we, we always are trying to collaborate with community resources out there that are wanting to provide services for individuals under supervision. Uh, so yes, we, we try to network as much as we can with community organizations that are willing to provide services uh, that are very much needed for people on, you know, on probation. Um, so we make it a point to make sure that the officers know what's out there. That's good. Uh, in case probation is, yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. It's, I mean, it seems like that's almost necessary now to be good at your role, right? Is to have that knowledge and information to share with the people that you're working with. Um, do you, do, you know, nowadays it seems like there's a couple things that always come up when it comes to especially courts. Um, people are always struggling with funding and data. Right. Those are those are the two things you just you just hear them pop up all the time. And they're the things that people I think just those words funding and data just cause a little bit of extra stress inside of people. Um, can you share a little bit about how the positions that you have that work with, especially court teams, like are they funded differently in any way than just, you know, the county funding the probation department? Or um, is there anything in particular that you have to do to get funding for those particular roles? So funding, definitely an issue. Um, even if we look at general probation, you know, funding, um, I, I feel like we're severely underfunded, especially, I mean, for treatment types of services. Uh, I mean, if we could receive additional funding for that, that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, um, when it comes to specialty court funding, I, I do have to, you know, like most individuals have to apply through the Office of the Governor grants. And I'm very grateful for those grants because without those grants, we wouldn't be able to operate. We would just not have the funding to help these people at all. So the CJD grants are extremely helpful in maintaining uh, all our programs down here or everywhere across the state. So, um, yeah, as far as data, um, we luckily have a really good case management system that keeps track of that data. Um, and the officers are really good about making sure that they enter certain information into that system so that when, you know, reports are due, eh, it won't be that bad or it's easy for to just generate a report and submit uh, the the information uh, timely. So, I guess the case management system that we work, deal with is is very helpful to us. That's good. That's um, that case management system you have. Is that something that the county purchased, or did the department have to purchase, or is that like a statewide um, case management system? So that's the case management system is the one we use for regular probation and we just adapt uh, some of additional data points that we collect for the specialty courts. Perfect. So it's, it's, yeah, it's very useful. That's good to know. What about um, when it comes to the funding, you had talked about that you apply for a grant through um, the Oh my goodness, the governor's office, right? Uh, right. Do, do you, does you, is that for like all nine of the specialty court programs or is that just for some of them so versus we, all of them? So no, it's just for some. We don't get funded for all. Uh, we do get funded for some, but not all. Um, I also, I've 
submitted a couple of uh, grant applications to BJA as well. Um, and BJA, but, that's uh, the, um, is that the Bureau of? Justice, right, assistance. Yeah, is BJA it, grant. Just, is it the Bureau of Justice? Justice assistance. And that's yeah. that. That's the national, that's um, federal. Federal right? grant. Okay. And I should know this offhand, and I'm trying, <laughs> like, I also know the acronym and not the actual word. <laughs> so I was like, what, what does BJA stand for? Um, so if you, if you are doing a lot of the requests for funding, are there also other people in the specialty court teams, like the judges or the attorneys or the prosecutor's office, are they also able to apply for funding as well for the same programs? Um, I'm not sure if they do or not, or if they're, okay. yeah, I, I don't, I really, I only worry about probation department, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that's not, that's probably not a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have enough issues with my own department, you know, so I, I just focus on what I need to do to get my job done or the organization's job, you know, officers work done. But yeah. And do those roles, um, does that funding just primarily then um, support the, the like the positions that work in those teams, your probation staff that works there? Or does it also fund any additional costs? No, so even even the funds that we receive, it doesn't sometimes some of them sometimes it doesn't cover everything. But then, you know, because we're a department, I go ahead and use some of our, you know, basic funds to cover, like in case I need additional staff that the grant does not cover. But I know it's necessary in order for the specialty core program to work. Then I'll just use my own, you know, basic funds to kind of like support that system. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, no, that yeah. absolutely makes sense. Do you? So, so I have some extra, okay. yeah, cash to work around with in case I need additional support services that the grant money does not cover. Yes, and that, and I. My understanding of a lot of the grants are they like to see that you have your own funds anyway, right? They don't necessarily want to cover all of the expenses to begin cool. with. They just want to be able to provide some support, right? And that your department has the ability to cover the rest. And it sounds like that's... That is good. Yeah, it sounds like that's what you're doing. So um, how do you how do you see this? I don't know, the department changing in the future like do you do you see it staying like this for a while or do you actually see that it may continue to evolve in the future i'm always trying to um expand services right especially court service access to specialty court services as i mentioned earlier if i could i turn all the all of the department into a big huge specialty court type of program to where people are supervised in that way, because that's a very effective way of, you know, supervising people and making sure that they receive treatment services. So again, if, if I had all the financial resources in the world, I would provide access to treatment services for every single probationer, you know, who needs it. Right. Cause right now I'm, I'm pretty much just limited to the individuals that we have in specialty courts. Uh, and so at least immediate access, right? Uh, but if I could do that to all the general probation population, I mean, that'd be awesome. But financially, I mean, that's just not possible. Yeah, I think that's a great, um, I guess, goal, so to speak, or just idea of how this this whole um, department could look like in the future because you know I want to circle back to about the data and stuff I, you know you use the data right you you need it probably for for grant purposes running reports and stuff like that but does the same data help you see that these treatment courts are actually successful that people are you know the recidivism rates are lower do you see any of that as well 
Yes. And actually, the other day I was because uh, we do quite a bit of work with a local nonprofit organization called Behavioral Health Solutions, and they, they provide recovery coach counselors. And uh, the other day I was at a ROSC meeting and uh, I met a recovery coach, actually two of them. Um, one had actually graduated from our mental health court. Wow. Went back, went back got her degree and now is currently working as a recovery coach with behavioral health solutions. Wow. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. I mean, great success right there. That is, um, that's, that is wonderful. I'm, I'm blown away by that. Frankly, that is, that is just a great, I was gonna say a great story, but it's, it's just so real. Right. And just knowing that that's real, um, it touches my heart for sure. And I'm sure a lot of people have, you know, if they don't have a similar um, experience with their own courts, that's that's kind of what you want to see. Right. You want to see somebody go through this program, be successful and just be productive. And just the fact that they could also then come back and give others. Yeah, that is. That is like the icing on the top of the cupcake, right? <laughs> like just the cherry on top. So um, that is great to hear. And that also. And actually, I think we submitted. I'm sorry. I think that we also submitted another success story. I think it was featured at the last uh, newsletter that I think you printed. So that's another one. That's a different success story. You know, uh, yeah. I'm remembering so. that as well. No, I think that one of the things that's great to hear about this is when people are successfully completing these programs, but more importantly, it's the journey that they've had with themselves, right? And that they're so brave to want to share that with others um, so that other people will be inspired as well, right? To get to that other side. And um, that being said, I know that uh, you know, that journey looks different for everybody and it's not always going to look the same. But um, the idea that one day potentially um, probation could look like that for everybody and that you don't have to just, you know, qualify to get into a special court to actually get access to those treatment resources um, sooner. Um, I could just imagine the impact that could have um, on all the probationers. If they could have access to that, Absolutely. so that would be wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree. Does your department, do you guys also do, like, I always call it aftercare. I'm sure there's a better term for that. But do you have programs or connect people with programs that help them once they actually successfully complete that um that specialty court program? And then what? Like, are they just, you know, cut off at that point or what kind of things do you guys do to keep them immersed into the community support and yeah, in the recovery really, because a lot of times that's a lifelong recovery process, right? So what does that look like in Hidalgo County? So we, I don't know if you know this, but we do have an uh, inpatient treatment facility also run by the department. Um, So if individuals have a severe substance use disorder that requires inpatient treatment services, uh, they'll be referred over to this inpatient treatment facility. Uh, they can be there any for anywhere from six to 12 months, depending on how they're, you know, how they're progressing while they're in there. Uh, and then we do have an aftercare program. Once they're released from the facility, uh, they get, again, they get assigned to a counselor right after release from the facility so that they could continue with their aftercare treatment while they readjust, you know, returning back into the community. That's one program. Uh, for the rest of the specialty courts, um, for individuals that are in specialty courts, we do partner up with Behavioral Health Solutions, uh, and that's a community resource. Um, and that's just in case, I mean, again, once they complete the program, they'll go to this organization where they could, again, continue with aftercare services or recovery coaches if they need access to that or they say they, they're still struggling with triggers or, you know, they're thinking about using again. They can always communicate with this organization to kind of help them uh, through that process. Right. Um, 
I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, a lot of people think it's like, well, I already completed this treatment. I'm cured forever. That's that's not how recovery works. Right. I mean, recovery is a lifelong process. And the whole idea is to establish the network to where they will always have access to somebody, whether through us or somebody out in the community that can help them through their recovery. Right. Uh, so th- that's why we try to establish those connections to that so that once you complete probation, once you complete the specialty court program, there will be somebody out in the community that could continue those services should they need to continue down that road. Right. Um, but, yeah. This has uh, been great information. Um, I feel like I could probably talk to you all day and just keep um, picking on you, so to speak, with all my questions. <laughs> Uh, it just delving into everything. Um, you've been involved with specialty court programs for a long time now, uh, not just your career, but also this volunteer time that I know that you put in with task. And um, I'm confident that you probably do a lot locally uh, with the specialty courts as well, outside of regular work hours as well. Um, before we leave, I really want to get three recommendations from you. Um, these recommendations, they're for the benefit of our listeners and other people who might already be operating or thinking about creating specialty courts. Typically, what I like to do is get a useful tip, a good resource, um, and maybe an important event that you would recommend to others and why you would recommend that event. Uh, do you have a useful tip for us today? A useful tip is, you know, if you're thinking about getting a specialty court, uh, you know, talk to task, um, you know, and see if we could help. Uh, again, you're, you're not going to regret it. Um, so, yeah. Oh, I like that tip, of course. <laughs> I'm biased. <laughs> um, yes, task is definitely very helpful with uh, providing information. Um, what about a good resource? So good resource, um, again, and I'm, I'm biased here again, but Texas Association of Specialty Courts, All Rise, um, they have a lot of resources out there, uh, you know, stuff that you can download um, in case you want to continue, you know, to read about possibly starting a specialty court or doing something like that. All Rise has a really good resource uh, yeah. website. Um, yeah. All Rise does. It actually has some great resources. All Rise used to be called the, why am I forgetting the name? They National, just Associ- their name. National Association. <laughs> yeah. Association of Specialty Courts. Yes. NADCP, was, I think. No, National Association no. of Drug Court Professionals. That's what it was, right? Okay. NADCP. Yes. Yes. Okay. And it's so funny because I thought there's no way that I could start calling them all rise so quickly because they've been NADCP for so long, but they've rebranded, but they have the same wonderful resources that they've had. And I was on their site not that long ago. So they're, they're the national organization similar to the state organization that we're part of, which is task, right? And they seem to know all things, especially courts, Um, but it's not just like Texas based. They, they just they know a lot about evidence based stuff. They have a lot of tools um, available on their resource on their website and stuff. And a lot of that stuff's free. Right. Like um, I've just yeah. I've noticed that they just have so much information on there. Yeah, that's yep, great. They sure do. That's a and great then once resource. You start, <laughs> yep. And then once you can start getting used to the acronym, they'll change the name or rebrand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? So what about an important event that you think others should attend and why? Again, the national conference, uh, very good conference um, or the state conference. Right. Uh, if in case, you know, you want to start start at the state level and then eventually graduate to the national conference. It's massive, a lot of information, but extremely useful information, especially dealing with uh, these kinds of specialty courts and services. Um, that's definitely a must thing to do. Yeah. Either well, the state or the Yeah. The state one task conference is coming up March 26th through 28th. It'll be in Fort Worth. Um, I'm going to be there. Uh, it sounds like you're going to be there. So yeah, hopefully, 
maybe we'll get some listeners there as well. Um, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to this year's um, training conference. A lot of it, I would say, is I look forward to just, uh, you know, talking with other people to see what things they've done in their programs, what changes they've made, and um, just just the ideas that come out of coming together like that and being able to pick people's brains for more and more ideas. I, I, I love that kind of stuff, of course. Um, I don't know if other people love me asking a gazillion questions, but I definitely love having access to so many people to ask questions of. So it sounds like it'll yeah, be fun this year. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. Now, if I see you running away from me, um, I'm going to know it's because of this conversation. <laughs> no, Tino, thank you so much for joining me today and for helping TAS bring important information about Texas Specialty Courts to people across the state. And again, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. No, it's been it's been great. Um, I will officially let you go um, and I will see you um, definitely at the next board meeting. Thanks for listening to our second episode of the podcast. I think I'm getting a little bit better with this podcasting stuff each episode. Let's hope so. Is there a topic you want us to discuss or questions you want answered by our guests? See our show notes to contact us and find links to information discussed today. You can also find the link to register for our annual training conference on March 26th through 28th. Some food for thought until we meet again for another episode. Consider how your probation department can help enhance your specialty court program. I'm hoping to bring you two more episodes in February, so stay tuned and be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get our show.